I believe in God. Does that make me weird? It does to a lot of people in this world. I believe that Jesus is his son. I believe that he was born of a virgin. He was crucified. He was put in a grave. And he rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He is at the right hand of the Father now, making intercession for you and I. I believe that when he went away, he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, to help teach us. And when you put all that together, if you were feeling burden or resistance this morning in your time of prayer. I'm I'm weird, like I said. I didn't put anything down, and I just wrote the scriptures that I'm going to use today, yesterday. Because I also believe that there's a devil. Now, what me and God talk about, he don't get, he's not privy to. He don't get to understand that. When I write something down on a piece of paper, He's now privy to it. In my prayer yesterday and last night, I was awake a lot last night, was praying that God would overpower what the enemy is going to try to do for some. Some that are here, some maybe didn't even make it because they need to hear the word. But Satan was able to pull them away. You see, we got two voices to listen to as we walk. The one from the Lord and the one from the devil. The flesh will always want to listen to the devil. And I believe today is going to be a day for some miracles within our church. Because that's what I'm preaching on is miracles. How many of you have had a miracle in your life? Raise your hand. Because you're testifying for Jesus now. It's not about what people looking around see. It's about giving him glory. How many of you need a miracle today? There's something going on in your life and you need a miracle. You can't handle it on your own. You need the hand of God to move and to set you free. There are things that bind us and hold us. And we need the Lord. And we know people that need the Lord. And we know people that are bound up. And and people that have uh, illnesses in their bodies. And they have all these diseases going on in their bodies. And and things going on inside of our minds. You know what I've always called stinking thinking. It'll get you in trouble. And we need the Lord to move on our behalf. So I'm going to read quite a bit this morning actually. Because I want you to see the story. But we're going to talk about a fellow by the name of Lazarus. Everybody remember that story? And we're going to chew on some of it as we go. I don't know exactly how we're going to do this, but I know know that God wants to move this morning. We need miracles, don't we? We need miracles sometimes that it will help refresh our faith with the Lord. We need miracles sometimes because we're hurting in our bodies and 
There's things that we have no control over and we need the Lord to intervene and we need Him. We need those miracles to happen. So we're going to start out in John chapter 11, verse number 1. We're going to read quite a bit here. I don't know. I might stop along the way and go. And I'm going to say it this week, folks, unless the Lord really gets a hold of me. I think He got a hold of me last week and I, sweetie said I stood about the whole time and boy, I paid for it. I was fine long as I was doing, but boy, oh boy. So now I'm standing. <laughs> I just don't feel right. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. We remember them, right? It was Mary who anointed, anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He knew what was happening. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are, you, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, you remember doubting Thomas, right? Who, called, who, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. And we're going to stop right there for a minute and lay this out. Jesus loved them, it said, and it's the word agape that they use. I mean, it was... Perfect love. It was God's love that he had for them. And Lazarus is sick, and so they send word to him that Lazarus is sick. I don't know where he was. Maybe it tells, and I didn't find it. If it did, y'all can let me know later on. But he stayed two more days. He said, well, it's not unto death. But then we read down here that he said, Lazarus is dead. They thought he was taken asleep. But he was talking about he was dead. Have you ever thought about that? When you come to the Lord, sometimes, sometimes you don't get that immediate answer. Sometimes he don't show up right at that moment to give what you need. Sometimes he's got another plan. And you're going to come out on top no matter what. As long as you believe in him and as long as you worship him, and if you believe in him, you will worship him. You can't do it otherwise. 
he takes a little break, but he tells him plainly, he's dead. Anybody in here ever seen somebody raised from the dead? I remember that story. I said story, but it's not really a story. I remember us talking about that. Let me rephrase that because that didn't sound right. I wonder today if we haven't seen people raised from the dead, how much we believe it. How much it sticks within us. How much that we actually believe that people can raise from the dead. But it baffled me that Jesus took two more days. I don't know what he was doing, but what he was doing was important. Because we know that God don't make mistakes, right? He's on time every time. Can I get an amen on it? He is always on time. He don't mess up. But he waited. And he waited so that the glory of God and that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. That's what the Bible says. That's why Lazarus was sick. That's what came upon him. That's why the Lord let it come upon him. He could have stopped it at any moment. He knew. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. He knows and he loved them. He knew who they were. He knew what was going on. Let's go to verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now this next one makes a a pretty neat reading here. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Now two miles ain't very far, is it? I come from my house up here, it's about two and a half miles, so it's just, it's close. These people, if you'll read back before this, they were out to get Jesus. They wanted to kill him, they wanted to stone him. And his disciples said, we're even going to go back that close? We're going to get that close to town? But he did. He said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go. And, and he found out that Lazarus was in the tomb four days. So he was a four-day journey, or two-day journey away. He found out. He stayed two days. And he journeyed two days. That's the only thing I can figure out. But there was a reason and a purpose for that. He had already raised some people from the dead. Right? We've read that in the Bible because we're getting down now to the time that he's going to go on trial and the crucifixion is coming. And so he had already raised some people from the dead, but it was kind of an immediate thing. You know, people can write stuff off and say, well, maybe they really weren't dead. But here he's been dead for four days. And it tells us four days and he was two miles away from Jerusalem. He didn't mind getting close, but I think there's a reason for that. Now Martha... Oh, let's see, let me, let me, verse 19. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, that's what they did in the day. And I've been to some funeral homes that they needed some people to come in and mourn because they didn't have but a handful sitting there. But they would do that. They were professional mourners. That's what they did. They would come and, and, and wail and cry and scream and just act all kinds of sorts of ways because this loved one had passed, that's what they were doing to, to help those to, to get, I guess, into the mourning way or whatever, that they would mourn. But they were all there. And they were Jews. They probably came from Jerusalem. I mean, I can't do it now because i got a bum leg. But before I had one, I guess I could probably knock down two miles in a couple hours walking. So these people had come out to be with them. 
and to mourn. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She accused the Lord. We sent for you. We heard what you said, that this is not unto death, but yet he's dead. And we're wondering what's going on. If, if, we if, 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 we if you would have just been here, then he wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. What was she asking? Was she wanting her brother raised from the dead? Was she wanting her brother back? I, that's, you know, that's the subject matter here. But I know that even now, whatever you ask God, he will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. You see, folks, when we check out of this life, if we are believers, we're Christians, we're following the Lord, we take our last breath here and our next breath will be in eternity with the Lord. We'll be walking around kicking up gold dust. I mean, I wash my truck all, well, I used to, I don't right now, but, you know, down our road you get dirty with a quickness. And I would imagine when I get to heaven, if gold dust gets on my vehicle, if I got one, I'll probably wash it off because it don't look good. Think about that. But anyway, she knew the scriptures and she knew that, but Jesus had to let her know that he is the resurrection and the life. And to go to verse, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the whole crux of, our, of Christianity. That's the whole crux of us following the Lord is do we believe this? I, I, I see folks pass away and I understand morning. Please don't get me wrong. But if a person is a follower, they are now with the Lord. And you know what? We get to go be with them. We have to, we have, to have the Lord. We have to be saved. We have to serve the Lord. But we get to go join them someday forever. Think about forever. And, and he tells them, he asked, do you believe this? This question is for each one of you and for me. Do you believe this? It's in the Word, so it's got to be true if we trust the Lord. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. I thought that was strange. He hadn't come into town. He kind of showed up at the backyard over behind the woodshed because of all the people that was there. Martha heard about it. She goes out and meets him. I guess they must have met there a whole lot whenever the Jews were around, when the people from the temple were around, so that they wouldn't be bothered with them, that they could have one-on-one -on -one time. 
just like he did with his disciples. He always had one-on-one time with them. He had time that he spent with them, teaching them and showing them. When they didn't understand parables, he was giving it, he would explain it to them. He would teach them. And so she goes secretly and she tells her, hey, he's calling for you. And so what happens? She goes out to see him. And he hadn't come into town yet. But they believed. They believed in who God was, who God is. And then the Jews who were gathered in the house with her and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep. Oh, we better go with her. Let's go cry with her. Let's go help her through this time. And then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She said the same thing her sister said, and neither one of them knew that the other one did. They believed enough to know that Jesus had the power to stop him from dying. He had the power to bring healing to his body. He had the power to raise him up. That's what they believed. And then uh, uh, 33, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? They were now questioning God. They were with him. And I think that Jesus was kind of a little bit, he didn't want them there. He wanted to have this time with them. But yet they were there. Because, you know, there's always naysayers, ain't there? There's always somebody naysaying something. God's got a plan. He's got something. He's laid it on your heart. And you go share it with ten people, and six of them is like, nah, that'll never work. Nah, I wouldn't God. Some people will get on board with it. Some people will follow that. I mean, how do you think Christianity spread? How do you think that the Word of God spread? It was by the Word. Of, it was what the Spirit does. He calls people. But there are people who say, you know what, I'm not going to take that. I don't want to hear anything about that. I don't want to know who Jesus is. I don't want to know about all this. This is blasphemy. They think they know more than what they actually know. Hmm. And some said, can not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? That was the question. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. All these people were standing around there. They hear what she says. I got in my mind, and I don't know that it is, but, but he's standing here, and, and the tomb is over there about where the piano is. They've showed him, and all these people have gathered around to see what's going on. They came out to weep with her, but now they see this fellow Jesus there, and they're wondering about him. And so he does this, and they say, you know what? He stinks, man. It's, it's going to be bad. He's been dead for four days. Folks, they didn't have what they got today. They didn't have a cooler to stick him in until all the family got into town so you could bring them out and view no, when you died, they wrapped you up and they put you in the, in the tomb. Wouldn't like what we have today. Can you imagine that? Have you ever drove down the road and you smell something? You're like, whoo, and then you look over, you see a dead deer or something like that. It's awful. Woo. But that's what they were lo- looking for. And it said, 
Lord, by this time, there is a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Didn't I already tell you that you would see the glory of God? There is a purpose for what I'm doing. Yeah, I can heal. Yes, I can take care of any disease. I took the, today, he took the stripes for us. That's why they beat him. He was taking the stripes for our healing. He was taking the stripes so that we could be made free. There's nothing, there's nothing that this world can bring. There's nothing that the devil can bring that can, God can't undo it, that God can't fix it. Amen? There's nothing. And, and that's what he's talking about. If you believe, and he reminds her, I told you that if you believe. I told you that you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I think that you have, that, thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. When you pray, do you have that in your heart? I thank you, Father, that you hear me. And you always hear me. The answer may be no. The answer may not be what I'm looking for, but he always hears us. And we need to be thankful for that. But because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Well, Mary and Martha did, and Lazarus believed that. This was for those that were unbelieving. The ones from Jerusalem, they'd seen him work miracles. They'd listened to him teach in the synagogue. They knew what was going on. But this was said so that they could know. But they, sadly, I think they chose not to. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. He did something there that was beyond anything else he had ever done to that point. He had been dead for four days. He had these people around, and all he had to do was speak the word, Lazarus, come forth. I think about whenever the time comes that he's going to call us forth. What's that voice going to be like? Have you ever thought about that? Come up here. It's time. Come up here. I don't care what's going on. You're going to know that it's the Lord. And if we are followers of his, we will obey what he says. Come forth. Lazarus knew who he was. He'd been dead for four days. What was he thinking? He was in paradise, but yet he gets a command from the Lord, come forth. His soul's got to go get back in that body. And he's bound like a mummy. He wrapped her hands and her feet, their legs, like this in their head. He couldn't move. I don't know how he moved. Probably he's got about as good as I do. 
Probably looked something like this. Inching his way out. But he came forth. How do I know he came forth? Because he was standing there and he said, Loose him. Take off those grave clothes that are there. Get rid of them. They don't belong. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. We're talking about miracles today. Miracles that we need. And there are miracles that God has done throughout the Bible. Think about Moses and Aaron. Moses was seeking God. He didn't know who he was, but he was seeking who he was. He got to meet him in a unique way. But listen to what, listen to what God told him in Exodus 7 and 9. When Pharaoh speaks to you saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it will become a serpent. We know that that happened. We also know that the magicians was able to do the same thing, but the, the rod that Aaron had cast down consumed the other ones. This is a miracle. How many of you have thrown a stick down and it became a snake? Have you ever seen it done other than on Cecil the... Uh, was that who did that? Was it Cecil B. DeMille? The Ten Commandments? The one with Charlton Heston, Yul Brynner? Now we saw it on TV. They worked it up. They had to do some uh, work on that to make that happen and look like that. But this happened in real life. This was a real staff that was there. It got thrown down, turned into a serpent. That was a miracle. These men believed what God had, because he's given them marching orders. They hadn't got there yet. When you go and whenever he says, show me some kind of miracle, this is what you're going to do. And they believed it. Why? Because they did it and that's what happened. I don't know if there was any surprise in their eyes, but if it was, I'll guarantee you their faith just went up a notch. Amen. I see something like that going on. My faith's going to go up another notch. But that's what they did. What about a fellow by the name of Paul who persecuted Christians? Healing people, touching people, spreading the gospel to the Gentiles. Standing up to the Jews who didn't want the gospel to be exactly how God wanted it to be. They wanted to start adding things to it. And he would reason with them and say, look, these people are saved. They're not Jews. They don't have to go get circumcised. They all this stuff doesn't have to happen. Uh, they're saved by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus. They don't have to walk through all these rituals that you have. He stood up for that. But look here. In, in Acts 19 and 11, it said, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And all you got to do is just go back in there and read the book of Acts. You can pull it off in you know, a few hours. And just look and see that everything that God did through him, it wasn't Paul doing, it was God doing through him. How did he do through him? Because he was a submitted servant. He actually believed. And you know what? If God told him to lay his hands on somebody, he would go and lay hands on somebody. And they would receive. Now let's keep on reading here. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. That was the power of God. It wasn't the power of Paul. And Paul knew that. He never lifted himself up. We sometimes like to lift people up, don't we? Hello? Don't we sometimes like to lift people up? And I'm telling you this morning, I came here to tell you this morning, you might be dealing with something right now, but I want to tell you this morning that the Lord wants to work in your life. He wants to take care of that. 
I can stand, I can sit, I can take my jacket off. That doesn't matter. I can anoint you with all and put it on you, but it's going to be the power of God that's going to do it. You should never walk away from here and say, well, Pastor Ken or Pastor Wayne or whoever has got this and, they, and, and I love their prayers and, and they touched me and I got hit. No, they didn't touch you. It was God that touched you. He worked through them. He works through men and women. That's what He does. And look at all the hands that went up for miracles that we have seen. Miracles. What about a fellow by the name of Philip? This dude was waiting tables at one time. He goes to Samaria. Well, you ain't supposed to go to Samaria. They're the guys from the other sides of the tracks. Don't have nothing to do with them. Not if you're Jewish. But he went there. And, and Acts 8 and 6 it says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. You see, people that are close to God and the Spirit of God dwells within them, they listen to what He says. I'm telling you, Jesus didn't just go to the cross so that some stuff could get wrote in the Bible about miracles. He went to the cross so that even in this day and age, a God who changes not can still work through men and can still touch people and can still set them free from the things that bind them. Amen? Do you believe that? I'm telling you this morning, if you believe that you will walk out of this church different than the way that you came in, you will have some strength in your body. You will have some things going on in your mind that you didn't know that could happen, but it will be the hand of God that has moved. It will be the hand of God that has set you free. He came to do that this morning. I didn't just put a message together so I could fill up an hour of your day. God's wanting to move. Do you believe that? Amen. What about some fellows by the name of Peter and John? Now these guys actually walked with Jesus. When Lazarus came out of the tomb, they were standing there. I've got to get a sip of water. I better sit down before Sweetie whips me when I get home. I don't want that to happen and I don't want you all to know about it. Sweetie won't whip me. That's why I call her Sweetie. I even had to kill a spider this morning. A crippled guy had to go chase a spider and kill it. That's how sweet she is. A what? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I'm getting there. Glad you're here today. But Peter and John had walked with the Lord, and, and, and I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here, but through facts and through, I guess a good ways through the fourth chapter of Acts, is telling about the same incident. I'll call it not a story, because the story is something made up. It's the same incident. Excuse me. It said, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple, at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, that's three o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. He had been lame from his mother's womb. I'm not going to read the rest of it, y'all can. 
but he more or less was looking to them and said, hey, you got something for me? And they locked eyes with him. Peter said, look at us. Have I none, but such as I have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He didn't give him some dollar bills. No, he gave him something much better. Since this guy had came from his mama, since the day he was born, somebody was carrying him to the temple so he could get a few pieces of money to eat. But that day, he got the best gift of all. He got to learn of who Jesus was. He got to learn of the power of Jesus. And his legs and his ankles, it says, they gather their strength and he jumps up and starts running around. Jumping, and I can't do that yet. Running all through the temple so that everybody could see. And you know what? They all knew who he was. They'd seen the fellow day in and day out, laying there with his hand out. And many of them, I'm sure, gave to him. Side note, some of them gave to him to be seen of men and some of them gave to him probably from the heart. Oh boy, that's another message for another time. That's a freebie. I didn't know I was going to say that. But they took Peter and John in before the council. And they started saying, now how are you doing this? What power are you doing this? They say, well, it's but Jesus. They realize, oh, you, you're the followers. You're the guys that followed him. Now, you got to remember, this fellow had been running around for everybody to see while they were teaching in the temple. He was glorifying God. I reckon he never stopped jumping. I mean, you, you, one of y'all get up and start running around here jumping and hooping and hollering. Everybody in here is going to notice. Come on, Ben. No. Stay put. Somebody's going to notice if it happens. So they pull them in there, and then they set them out after they've talked to them, and we're going to go to, to um, Acts 4.16. And they talked among themselves, and they said, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident. They knew what was going on. They didn't know what to do about it. It's evident to all in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. You see, when God moves and touches, the world will try to deny what's been going on, but if they got any sense at all, they'll be able to say, we cannot deny it. They might want to give Allah some credit. They may want to give Buddha some credit. They may want to give some dude some credit. But the credit goes to the Lord God Almighty. And they couldn't deny it. They didn't know what to do. So they basically just said, don't go and speak or preach in this name again. I believe this is the place that they said, should we honor you or should we honor God? Are we here to please you or are we here to please God? But in verse 22 of Acts 4, For the man was over 40 years old by whom this miracle of healing had been performed. You see that? He was over 40 years. For 40 years he couldn't move. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, 
I had four months, and I not really four months and couldn't hardly move. My legs wouldn't work, would they, sweetie? Some of y'all might have been at the uh, convention, and I come out that night, and after walking all the way into that place and getting to our seat and then getting up and heading to the back part of the, the stage area there to go through those doors so I didn't have to do no steps, because I'm doing some steps now, but I couldn't then. Man, I hadn't been walking for about a week. Old legs about that big, ain't been that leg big since I was born. I remember standing out there that night because I knew that God had told me, you're going to go speak. You're taking up an offering, but I want you to tell them what I've done. And I told what he had done. I had told what he had done through many of you. Coming and doing things at our house, giving us some money, bringing food, all these things that you did to care. All these things. And it was all because that you listened to the Spirit of God. He's the one that told you to do it. I've told you before, some of you showed up at the right time because my head was just in a bad, bad place. I was kind of like Martha and Mary. Well, Lord, if you'd have been there, if you'd have done something, I wouldn't be in the pickle I'm in now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Boy, it's hot in here. We should have preached outside this morning where the wind's blowing. It's a beautiful day. But there are some people that would do some things for the wrong motives. You remember Herod, you know, when they had Jesus on trial. He was glad that Jesus was coming because he had heard about what he had done and he just wanted to see some kind of miracle, some kind of sign. What did Jesus do? What did he do when he was before Herod, whenever they were trying him? Pilate sent him over there. He did nothing. He didn't even speak a word. You see, when the motives are wrong, God, I need you to do this because I want... No, the reason that we need to be touched and healed is so that the glory of God can be done. If it works out that, we, that, that, that other people get to hear about it and we may benefit however financially or whatever by it, uh, so be it. But the main reason is that the glory of God can be seen. Amen? Herod had the wrong motive and I think sometimes people come to the altar or people will call for prayer and put it on the prayer line or whatever. I don't know. Uh, sometimes these things might happen that they have another motive in mind. and Maybe they don't receive. I don't know. I'm not God, but I know there's a fellow that had that. Let's go to John chapter 12 and verse 1 because we're going to get done here in just a second. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had, been who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. He came there, and, and Lazarus was there. There they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. He didn't just come out on that day and then go back so they could see. This was six days before Passover. He'd been around for a bit. He's sitting at the table getting ready to get some beans and cornbread. I don't know if they had that over there. He's sitting at the table. And all these people, we remember, if, if you could read on over in this other place, well, I, well, let's go back to 1145. It said, many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. Many of them believed in him, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. They went to tell on him. A bunch of tattletales. So here's Lazarus. 
And we go down to verse 9 of chapter 12. It says, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he, Jesus, had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Had to get rid of the evidence. I want to talk to you just for another minute here. When Lazarus came out of the grave, eh, that thing don't roll good. I'll use this. When Lazarus came out of the grave, he was set free. The Father sets free is free indeed. He was dead. You know, if you're not saved today, you're just a dead man walking. But when he called him forth and he come wiggling out of there, I, I picture something like this. He come wiggling out of there all bound up in those grave clothes, those things that had him bound. Jesus said, go over and loose him. Those things that bound him, he had heard the word of God. It was the word of God that he got up out of that grave and came out. It was the power of the word of God that brought him forth. And even though he came out of that old dark, stinky tomb and out into the light of the day and people could see him, he still had some bindings that was on him. And that's what we're here to get to today. Jesus commanded that those bindings be taken away from him. He told the ones that were standing by to take them away. Who would that be a picture of today, church? It would be a picture of each and every one of us. Uh, that's why we join up together. That's why we're here on the prayer line praying together. That's why we're teaching in the, up here in the pulpit and we're teaching in Sunday schools and we're teaching on Wednesday night so that we can get the word of God the very thing that we need to be set free and we are the ones that brings it we are the ones that speaks that word of encouragement we are the ones that speaks that word of correction because sometimes that word of correction needs to come about but I'm telling you, whenever we're bound up, and if you need something, I saw some hands raised this morning that you need a miracle. Uh, there's still some grave clothes that is sitting on us that's got us bound up. Uh, whenever you get to walking around and you're bound with a chain and a big old ball that you can't pull, you can only go so far. You're bound up. You, know, you can't walk out of the grave. You can't let the, the power of God be known. Uh, you, know, you get weak in your mind. Uh, things that go on we get inside of our own heads and the devil will get in there and things will just bring us down uh, but he had he had those grave clothes on those grave clothes uh, that's what bound him up but Jesus said to lose him and that's the commandment today a lot of the things that we are dealing with is grave clothes that has never been able to come off it's not saying that we're not saved it's not saying that we weren't called of God but it is saying that there are things that bind us there are things that hold us back there are things that keeps us from going to the next town and having supper with Jesus today what is your grave clothes there ain't nothing that's come about that the Lord Jesus cannot set us free from when we have doubt 
When we have sicknesses that the world says you can't be healed of, but He can heal. I mean, it's one thing, and it is the hand of God every time we receive something, but you go to the doctor and he gives you a shot of penicillin and the strep goes away. Well, the doctor did it. No, God did that. He gave them the ability to discover it. And he gave this guy the drive to go to medical school and to set up an office and set you up that you could be there and you could receive this, but it was the hand of God. But when we're talking here about Lazarus, we're talking about the stuff where we don't have a cure for. We don't know what to do. We just want to keep you comfortable for the rest of your days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There are families that go through so much and, they, and they're bound up. But I believe that if we would just get a hold of heaven, if we'll just be able to press through the crowd and get to the hem of his garment, that there can be some people set free from those diseases. There can be some people set free from the things that's going on inside of the mind. All it takes is God. All we got to do is just press through. And it's our responsibility as the church to be those that are standing around when someone needs something to help them not kick them when they're down I don't know maybe it's riches that keeps you back maybe it's riches that keeps you worrying maybe you lay awake at night not sleeping because you're afraid somebody's going to take all your money and all your stuff can I tell you something I told you the other week that this world is not going to be here it will be gone can't be friends with nobody because you're afraid everybody's trying to have to get you can I tell you that's narcissistic behavior? It's narcissistic paranoia. Alicia, is that a real word? You went to school. It is. God told me that. I didn't look it up. It just sounded right. And He meant for us to be here helping one another. Amen. If you got something this morning, do you believe? Do you believe? Stand to your feet this morning.